I'm glad to be back from Australia. And for those of you that prayed for this time and for the teaching, thank you, Joel, for the time and the teaching when I was gone and preaching over there, thank you for your prayers. You bless me. And I want to remind you that you are a part of a worldwide church. Just like I bring them greetings from you, they bring greetings from them. The South Pacific Division, the Holy Spirit's work is alive and well there. And I was so blessed to get to watch how God was moving. So you are a part of this. And like the Indonesian mission trip that's going, they bring the love of Azure Hills, the love of God through the members of Azure Hills. And we also experience the same as love comes back to us. So we're so blessed to be one worldwide family of God. Today I want to begin by sharing with you a word about a hurricane, dead bees, and a wildfire. Yes, a hurricane heading towards California. I'm so glad for Elder Katie's prayer today. Several longtime California residents said to me, well, I guess I've really seen everything now. In fact, they're right. This is the first time a tropical storm watch has ever been issued for our area. Likely a year's worth of rain will fall in a short period of time, producing potentially life-threatening and catastrophic flooding. Phoenix, Arizona had 31 consecutive days of over 110 degrees hot. The challenge that they discovered is that the wax inside the beehive was melting. And so beekeepers were going around to protect because it was collapsing on top of the queen. A third of the world's food resources are connected to the small part of God's creation, these little bees. So it's not just about this unique species, but about the survival of the entire ecosystem. The Maui fires are now classified as the deadliest wildfire in the United States in the last century. And I did have to change my numbers from when I wrote this. 114 dead as of this morning and up to 1,300 missing. Those who are part of the Paradise, California community in 2018 understand what it's like to experience fire so devastating, deadly, and destructive. Our hearts are aching. And I could go on with more from your own life and from the news. There's more that we could cite. What do we do when life is painful? How do the followers of Jesus pray in the midst of disaster? When life turns upside down, how do we once again find our footing? Again, today we turn to the Psalms. The Psalms of summer have been a place where we have found the word of God for today. And this is no exception. The words of this song may make you wonder, is it really okay to say that to God? It may have you questioning, is this supposed to be in the Bible? The words are so real and so raw that if we lean in and if we listen to the words of this psalm, we just might find what it looks like to pray in the world we live in today. In the midst of heartache, 
and heartbreak that affects us personally and as a community. One commentator separates this psalm into five stanzas, the first of which is prayed from the depths of despair, from the pain. The second stanza, which is made up of questions, six questions. The third and fourth, a confession of who God is. And the fifth, the conclusion. We hear this, the word of God for us today. I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 77. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is as great as our God You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God, and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The psalmist, this insomniac psalmist, awake and in despair, this is where our song begins. The writer is despairing of life itself. If you have faced challenge or find yourself presently there and you have thought, I can't do it anymore. If you have felt fragile and like you did not want to live another day and then immediately felt a wash in guilt, like how can I say this when God has given me so much? You are not alone. The psalmist is despairing of life itself. It's too much, God. I cry out, those things that used to comfort me no longer comfort me anymore. The sense of God's nearness and kindness, which once felt so present in the past, it's vanished now. The psalmist is in the valley of the shadow of death. And what does the psalmist do in the valley? Go back to the past. Like us, we rehearse the memories from days gone before. 
we think about and remember when God felt active and present in our lives, when we knew that God was there and we felt God was with us. And yet, the psalmist thinking through the former days, as they call them, brings up a whole tangle of doubts. The reason the Psalms are so powerful, John Rolofson points out, is the permission-giving example they give. It encourages us, the faithful, to say whatever is on our hearts in the presence of God. Even if you don't know what, if God is listening, even if you don't know what to say, even if your words come out messy, Look at the verbs in these first six verses. I cried out, I sought, I stretched out, I groaned and was troubled, I pondered, I was despairing and could not speak. All night long I was in distress. Do you hear the words of the psalmist in this difficult place? And so what comes up when the psalmist remembers the former days is the questions the questions. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has God's promises come to an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? You have to remember that in the Old Testament, the people of God made a confession about God In Exodus chapter 34, this was a common thing to say and to share about who God is. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is what they would confess together. God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And do you notice these six questions directly contradict this confession? At the heart of these questions is the core question. What if all that I've thought that I knew about you isn't true? I've known you as the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's what I've known you to be. That's what we have confessed together as people is that is who you are. But I don't see that now. Was I wrong about you, God? Was I wrong about you? The questions of this psalmist in the middle of the night. You might wonder, is this a mistake? Is this even supposed to be in the Bible? Seriously. If you've ever wondered if God is okay with questions, if you've ever felt a sneaking suspicion that your doubt and your mess are unwelcome and unaccepted to God, here in this word is the permission. Bring all that you are to God. Then in verse 11 and 12, there's this turning point. It's a decision. I will remember. Like the prodigal deciding to journey home, getting up from where he is, the psalmist now says, I will take time to recount what you have done. The psalmist stops and puts everything they're going through into the larger framework of the story of God. I feel this story, the psalmist says, but this is who you are. 
Let's go back to the bigger story of who you are. And gaining the wider perspective is what engages hope within this psalmist. The prayer or song that begins in pain and leads to questions then experiences a turning point. I will remember. Yes, I will remember. What a choice that is. It's like listening to a song on repeat when you just keep rehearsing it again until you know the words to that song. We repeat and we rehearse. This is what you've done. This is what you've done. I know you. I don't feel it. I don't have any connection to this Lord, Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. I don't feel any of that. But let me rehearse what you've done and what I've seen in the past. And as I look around today, I think of stories from here and I, I get moved right in this moment just remembering what God has done in and among us in this congregation. That God has done good things and we recount and we rehearse what God has done. And it reminds us that these current things that we go through, God will also lead us through. I was really moved even the second service time when Justin stood up to read the scripture. Justin, who is a miracle. God walked him through and he's standing and talking and moving and reading. And we praise God for that, that gift. And the person up front leading us in worship, Carrie, who could, we could be experiencing a different story where Carrie has no hearing, cannot hear the music anymore because of what you went through, but God gave you this gift. And with all your days, you praise God because this was a gift, it was a miracle, and we rehearsed that story because this is what you've done before. I will remember, yes, I will remember the work of God, and you have your own. You could recount your own right now. I will remember. Yes, I will remember. I will remember. I will remember how we didn't have it and then you provided it. I will remember how we came from this place to this new place and look what God did. I will remember. And so this psalmist makes this declaration, this decision to remember the work of God. And as we remember, this thing happens. We come back to the reality of who our God is. Oh, yes, your love never fails. Oh, yes, this is what's most true in the world is that you haven't forgotten us. Oh, yes, this is our story. In verses 19 to 16, these are my favorite four verses of this psalm. For a long time, these words have brought me hope. I remember one day years ago with my audio Bible, I listened to these and it was well over 10 times. I might even say it was a couple dozen times, but it's for sure no stretch to say it was 10 times that I listened to Psalm 77 back to back. And verses 16 to 19 move me because it's these powerful images of creation and redemption in the very same section. This place where it reminds us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the spirit hovered over the darkness and the void and brought life from that place. And then that God delivered with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm as the people of God were hemmed in with an army behind and water before. It draws on language from creation and from redemption and melds it together reminding us that in the swirling chaos 
God still works. That in that place where we feel dizzied by the things that are going on, God is still present. The Spirit of God hovers. Creation and redemption are happening. And verse 19 is the most beautiful climax of that. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. This might be the only thing the Holy Spirit wants you to hear today. The invitation to your soul to whisper, though I don't see your footprints, I will trust you are here. To claim over that relationship or that struggle or that need, though I don't see your footprints, I will trust you are here. Though I don't see your footprints, I will trust you are here. You've most likely heard the most, one of the most famous Christian poems, Footprints. Maybe it all came to your mind when you saw the title and you're thinking, that's where she's ending. Well, almost, almost, almost. But this idea is this man was like looking through his life and then when it was hard times, there was only one set of footprints and God's like, that's when I carried you, right? You know this story? It's a little bit of the reverse, but the same heart of it. Instead of those are God's footprints and mine are invisible, God is saying, The trust in your life is knowing that you are held in the embrace of love even when you don't see evidence of it. That my footprints are the invisible ones, but I'm there holding you all the same. That I'm walking you through this. That I haven't left your side and that you can claim like the hymn says, all the way my Savior leads me. That I will never leave your side no matter what you're facing or going through. That God is holding us, is the message of this poem. And God's footprints are often unseen. So creation and redemption happen in chaos. Waters swirling and darkness surging and the unknown and the unseen power moving and your way led through, the psalm says. Through? Are you kidding me, God? That's what I often say. Through the hurricane? Through the fire? Through the loss? Through the devastation, through the unknown, through the pain. Are you serious, God? The witness of the long time children of God from ages past and even present are that God has never left his people. Through it. We go through it. But the truth is that rehearsing the goodness of God, remembering creation and remembering redemption, allows us to be released from anxiety and the depth in the abyss and to instead feel hope awaken within us. This happened to me just recently in Australia because these are people that I don't know. I'm sitting with them. I don't know them and they don't know me. And so I find myself telling my story again because the powerful point for all of us is where our stories intersect, where I tell the story of God working in my life and you tell the story of God working in your life and we give each other hope and courage and faith. And so I was telling my story of God working in my life. And I shared actually there, I said, I found that the only way is through, but I've been to rock bottom and I can attest that it's solid. And I shared the specifics of how I've seen that power of God, that the rock of God has held me and been solid for me. But I didn't want to go through, but God held me through. And the next day, this student that was there 
shared with me a, a, an email, a picture of their journal, and in the journal they wrote, and there was also followed by a letter to me, and they shared that the turning point for them was hearing the only way is through, that they felt a breakthrough in their own life and heart. Because you see, you're ahead of me in the journey and you remind me where I am now that it's gonna be okay and then I'm uh, at a different place than you and I can remind you that I've been there and it's gonna be okay. And so these ways that our story interact, we are reminded of the faithfulness of God. And so as I shared, the only way is through. This then came back around to be a breakthrough at that moment. God is so faithful and reminds us that though God is unseen, God is present. So I'm wondering, how can you and I look for the unseen footprints of God even now? The last verse here in this psalm harkens back to Psalm 23, which Pastor Starla shared so beautifully. It says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is shepherd and flock language. Again, we are reminded that the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. You see, what's in front of you is hard, but there's a bigger picture that God is at work in our whole lives. Yes, you can cry. Yes, you can ask questions. Yes, you can feel all that you knew about God to be true. No longer feel solid anymore. But we come back to this that we have a shepherd and God is leading us. So friend, God hasn't left your side. God hasn't left your side. This week it was really, really heavy and I found myself at the end of this week, God just whispering and inviting me and I try to do this in the, I do this in the morning as well, but at the end of the day yesterday, God just said, make a list right now, just stop. Just write down the unseen work of God. And I ended up with an entire page of just how God's working. The invitation that I want to share with you is to stop, maybe on your phone, on the drive home, if you're not driving. Or when you get home, to just take out a pen and paper. What are all the ways that the Lord is working in your life? What are all of the unseen footprints of God right now in your journey? Take a moment to write out. How is God at work even now? He hasn't left you, friend. He hasn't left you.